0: The Boston Podcast Network, it's the Josh J.P. Philosophy. So here they are, Josh Cohen and J.P. Plunkett. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Josh J.P. Philosophy. This is producer David Yowes, Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network, coming to you from our Westwood, Mass. Studios. Today on the show, Josh and J.P., welcome Boston sports radio legend Steve Dakota, Who's a serial entrepreneur and a familiar voice to anyone who knows anything about sports radio in Boston, gentlemen? Enjoy the show,
1: Dakota. Thanks for being here today with Josh, Dave, and I. I guess before we get into all sorts of fun stuff, out of the gate, what happened to Tuca? I know that you're the one that posted the screenshot <laughs> you, of his uh tea actually, times at Woodlands, what, Woodland Country Club. What happened to Tuca? Yeah.
2: So, a, a, as you as you know, I'm a big golfer. Maybe not as much as you, JP. But, you know, I've started golfing a lot since I blew up my arm thanks to the 135 innings that you forced me to pitch one year. (laughs) Um, So I took up golf and, you know, pretty much I'm a nomad. Gypsy, would you say? Not a member anywhere, but I'll play it all all the good courses. (laughs) Josh will
1: have you to Thorny Lee within a week, I promise.
2: So I get invited to Thorny Lee once or once or twice a year. I've got some friends over there, and we love to fire it up on the course because uh, all my poker buddies are, are at Thorny Lee, and uh, you know Mike Nye, uh, Jimmy Clark, and that whole crew. So Jimmy Clark, yep, yeah, that sounds so, about right. Yeah, so Thorny Lee, I have to play from the tips, and I've got, I don't have some clubs to kind of reach those those long three the, the, the par threes, and then hole number two is uh, is a disaster that long par four. But I'm stroking there. Yeah, so we're good with that.
1: But um. So. We all love Thorny. It is a great place, but let's, let's shift to Woodland Tuca yeah. asks home course where he played sure. a lot of golf since he quit on the Bruins. And um, it almost seems like you sort of scooped something there. So not to put you too much on the spot, but what can you share about um, what might be going on with Tucker in the future um, that he holds with the Boston Bruins?
2: Sure. So as you know, you know, since uh, you know, early 2000, I've I've been on sports radio a few different times Uh, a few different stations and been as a caller and sometimes I get myself in trouble. (laughs) And uh, there's some things I like to stay away from some things I like to give, but um, I, I do, you know, Tuca has always had and nobody in Boston sports radio will really talk about it because they just try to stay in their lane in today's that they're, they're afraid of losing their job. So they have to be careful of what they say for backlash. So, you know, if you're, if you're sports radio, 98, five, you're the home of the Bruins There's not much that you can come out and say, because the player is still, you know, on the Bruins and, you know, same thing from back in the day on the W E E I days that, you know, they would never hardly ever beat up on any Red Sox player or manager while they were still on the team. Now, they started to beat up on players back when they found out that Manny was never coming back. So the Red Sox had to basically start their narrative to say, hey, Manny's a bad guy. And they let it out there. So they say, hey, you guys want to talk about Manny, you know, going, you know, having another kid over here and, you know, and his his, his wife here, et cetera. And so there was, you know, this message that was transformed that across sports radio, you just you can't talk about it if the ownership doesn't want you to talk about it. So the, the situation with Tuca, and even the, this has happened a few times over the years where he's just decided to leave the team, right? I think it was last year that um, even pre-COVID bubble and everything. Oh, yeah, he, this was not the first
1: time. But it's at least the now, second.
2: There's been some, let's say, rumors that, you know, he, he does like to party. And, you know, parties sometimes get in the way of it. Listen, I like to party too. Yep. Back in t- 1999, 2000, 2001, I was out four five nights a week loving party. I was just in a good place in life where I wanted to be out and having some drinks and enjoying my friends. And it got me in trouble. I ended up getting divorced. So that stuff does happen. And the same thing happened. It happens with Tuca, just like probably a lot of other players. And I think Tuca was going through some issues with his extracurricular activities, you know, outside of hockey and outside of family that you know, was uh, weighing on his relationship with his wife and potentially his kids. So, you know, and I think what happened is it kind of reared its head again with him being jettisoned into the bubble. And there's been some stuff going on. And again, rumors that, uh, you know, I've talked to people that won't talk about it publicly. um, That, you know, there might have been something that was rearing its head again of issues with him and his wife. And this really, the, the stuff with the kids was more of, you know, the undercard, let's say, that it was an excuse because how could anybody say you wouldn't leave the bubble, right, if you had a, a kid emergency. But as the Bruins came out and said, the emergency was alleviated, right? Like he had one. Well, he was on
1: the T sheet at
2: Woodland. Yeah, he was, and was on the next day. Uh, yeah, so there was no emergency. He, That's his right. mind His <laughs> mind wasn't in it. And the way that he played – and you can listen to the comments in the post game. He had checked out. So if there was a family emergency in that press conference or before the game, it would have came out. But because his head wasn't in it, because of these family issues with his wife, that, you know, he decided to say, listen, I'm checking out. My head's not in it. i gotta well, getting
3: get back home. Well, the first thing that he said was the first game he said felt like an exhibition game. And that was the, to me, that was the beginning of the end with him. Sure. And then two days later... He had, as you said, family issues or emergency with his kid, and yeah, and it's really a shame.
1: Well, I think that's it for him. He's had a great career as a Bruin, um, going out quite poorly, but um,
2: it's over. Don't be uh, JP. Don't be so sure. I, I hope look be. at first of all, what's his contract situation? He's got one year. He's got one year left. I think at around seven million. All right, so he's one of the highest paid goalies in the league. You you can't just get rid of him and eat that money, right, JP? Tuka Rask. I'm a Tuka Rask defender. I've always d- defended him on sports radio. Do you know that Tuka is one of the all-time save leaders in NHL history? Like, he's ranked, like, number two or three all-time in save percentage. No, I
1: think he's great. I mean, I think Manny Ramirez was great. Terry Francona was great. Um, you can go on and on with all sorts of greats. But, I don't know, after seven or eight years in a market, and it's been longer than that for Tuka um, – like, look at Tom Brady. Let's not – please, I'm not trying to compare Tuka Rask to Tom Brady, but the Tom Brady era is totally over. I hope he is, and I think he'll have two or three good years with Tampa Bay. But at some point, enough's enough, and that's that. But you're right. You can't just get rid of him because you have to pay him anyway. So they'd have to find a trade partner that could absor- absorb the money. But then the bigger riddle is good goaltenders don't grow on trees. So, you know,
2: where do you – Yeah, I mean, where, where are you going to find someone? You know, uh, the situation with Tuka – if they had Tuca, as much as, you know, people say he, you know, he's not a big game goalie with the talent that this team have, they have a chance to beat Tampa. And when they beat Tampa, they're going to yeah, win. Absolutely. Stand, well, win stand Dave, absolutely. Dave
1: just put up on the screen. Um, Tuca Rask has his the th- schedule, schedule for the week. He has the, th- <laughs> <laughs> he has the third highest save percentage in NHL yeah, history. Like I said, Dominic mean, Hasek, Johnny down. Bauer, Tuca Rask. My goodness. Ken Dryden, Tim Thomas is sixth. Well, listen, um, let's segue that to um, you you really, you've been on all the shows, both stations. You've you've worked on um, some independent-type stations like 1510. What are some of your favorite shows that are currently on the air, and what do you think the best maybe show of all time is for Boston Sports Talk?
2: So I don't think anything will ever be duplicated for the big show with Ordway and the cast, you know, around the early 2000 era, it was at a time where sports radio was really starting to come go mainstream. And it was also at a time where JP, you and I were growing up as diehard Red Sox fans. And, you know, we were starting to mature and starting to listen to radio Right. Because, you know, as a young kid, the only time that you would listen to radio is if if your parents had it on in the car or something. And
1: there was some percolating Eddie Andelman, sort of the sports huddle, but it was uh, it was a secondary thing in the marketplace.
2: Sure. And at the time, our frustration levels were almost at the same level that politics are today. Like if you look at the Yankee Red Sox rivalry as we were kids, we would look at a Yankee fan and have immediate hate for it, right? Because they were a Yankee fan. We didn't care anything they said. It was just like politics. So just think of Republicans versus Democrats today. This is what we grew up in early 2000, Yankee-Red Sox rivalry, and just the Red Sox trying to put a product on the field that could compete and finally win a, win a World Series in our lifetime. So at that time, there was only really one station, and that was WEEI. And it was afternoon drive and Glenn Ordway was at the peak of his career, meaning that he was the ultimate puppet master. And, you know, I mean, he's lost his fastball kind of now because I think things change and evolve and he doesn't have the freedom to do what he wants to do to run a good show because, you know, Entercom made a lot of changes and they... They started getting rid of Brett. The, the first thing they did was get rid of Brett Erickson, who was their number, you know, one B producer. They kept Andy on board. They told Andy they could only do certain things. A lot of the bits were lost. Um, they, st- get rid of they got rid of Smurless. They got rid of Diassi. They they stopped doing rotating guests. They wanted, and, and that was it. Like they put together a show that to me was soap opera radio. You couldn't listen to a show. And just come in knowing what they were talking about. You had to listen every day for four hours to really understand the full context of what that show was. And that made it great. And from a caller standpoint, man, that means that I had to make sure I was listening and knew exactly what was going on. Because the last thing that I wanted to do was call up. And now I embarrass myself a lot. Embarrass embarrassed myself on purpose, right? From just being negligent, from not understanding what they were talking about. So, to one, me, um, by far, that was number one.
3: I agree with you. I remember, you know, 2002, three, four, five, waiting at two o'clock in the car, waiting for that show to come on. Obviously, there was quite a bit of politics at EEI. And, you know, now the station's in shambles. What was the beginning and the end for that station?
2: man i mean it's going to come down to politics it really is um, you know as as people evolve and you get people in power you know at the top that you know want to push their own narrative or a, 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 maybe a middle narrative there's just so much pressure that hey you can't talk about this and you know this goes back to the denison callahan days which was a staple you know who didn't if you if if you were a sports fan or even Anything else? You'd listen to Denison Callahan, which is funny, JP, because back in the day, when I had my own show on Sporting News Radio in the morning, I didn't like them talking about politics because I wasn't involved in politics. I didn't care back then. So one of my mantras in show was, you know, no politics allowed. That was on my sports intro back in the day, and that was and so, the
1: show that was beamed through fifteen ten out of Burley, Burlington, yeah. Mass.
2: yeah, Dakota in the morning, and you know, to me. At a time where they were the only really ones in the morning, this is pre you know you know ninety eight five days. I wanted to put a product on that was you know didn't wasn't politics because I didn't enjoy listening and, to it. And wasn't so Sean?
1: Was the, I'm okay. so sorry. Wasn't Sean McDonough also? Yes. A, yep. Was he the afternoon yep. host when you were the morning host?
2: So Sean was. I think Sean was not there at the time. They they had this whole initiative of raising the bar, right? That was their whole mantra: yep. raising the bar over there. And they, he was gone during the uh, mid days with uh, Dave Jaggler, Jag, 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 Jaggler who went on to to the Bruins play by them. play for Pawtucket. I think. Oh, the Pawtucket, yeah. correct. And,
1: and that I was think, with the Pittsburgh Pirates he, or the or the. He Bryce. might have.
2: He went. I don't. I, I don't. But he was there with Eddie Ennen. And then the diehards who had Anthony Pepe on Ryan Rossillo, who Ryan went on to national fame. Um, right. You know, and I think now is at the Athletic, I believe. After he was at ESPN. And then, you know, one of the best stories in broadcasting history. And I don't know if you remember him, John Anik. And if you know the name of John Anik, he's like the head UFC commentator, making millions of dollars. And he started as an intern on 1510. wow, And then came on, got thrown into the Afternoon Drive Die Hard show with Pepe and Russillo. And John Anik, who's from this area, came up. And now he is the superstar commentator on UFC. And... You
1: know, it's just that's a great, great. story. So, so back to... That's a great story. I did not know that. Um, what a niche that turned into something as big as anything.
2: Yeah, but, Mike Mike Sock, who's the head uh, drive guy in uh, Seattle, too, who got a stint on EEI, was on... It was an intern oh, back in the morning. Yeah.
1: Boy, was he a disaster in Boston. <laughs> Patrick, but Patrick,
2: no worries ever. But, but yeah, at, I mean, at
1: 1510, I remember when Sean McDonough had his afternoon show going up against Glenn Ordway's big show. Yeah. And... It just didn't work at 15-10, and Glenn Ordway said, and I, and I agree with this, he said, what Sean didn't realize is Sean's way better than me at play-by-play, and that's exactly right. For those that don't know, Glenn did um, work with Johnny Most for those great Celtics teams. So Glenn was happy to admit that Sean, and I, I this is what I think, Sean McDonough is the very best game radio announcer or TV, in the whole business. He's the best. Mm-hmm. But Glenn Ordway also then said, but no one's better than me at running a talk show, and they're totally different animals. And I thought that sure. was very cocky but profound and accurate of Glenn to say that.
0: By the way, yeah, Ryan I mean, guys, Ryan Rossillo is on uh, the Ringer podcast Ringer, and the website sorry. with uh, Boston native Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons running that show. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, I knew he
2: was at ESPN hey. and then left, yeah.
3: Steve, I had a couple questions for you. First of all, love the Swing Juice brand. (laughs) Tell me how that that concept got started. Tell the audience what that's all about. And uh, you might have to throw in a couple of shirts for the host.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, definitely. So, um, yeah, a a friend of mine, uh, well, mutual friend of mine, uh, John Mason, who's from Rhode Island, um, you know, started uh, Swing Juice, you know, I want to say I think it was 2004, somewhere around there. And, you know, he really wanted to kind of put this energy drink together that was around golf and everything. But, you know, to compete in the beverage space is ultra, ultra competitive, even more now than it was back then. And, you know, like anything else, you can have a good idea and just not be able to get it to where you need to to be success. You know, if you look at the age of the Internet, right, there was companies well before Google that did what Google did before Yahoo um, even, even barstool, you know, I, I, had a company called bostoncitybeat.com and we did videos and hot chicks and, and everything. And it was be and it was in 1999, 2000. And it was like, we published a magazine for Boston. It was like Maxim for Boston. Right. I and remember that. Wow. It, it just, it just what we, we had Dave wedge. We had but we had tons of writers that, um, that were in this magazine that was published at outsold Boston magazine in Boston. It was a high gloss, but nine 11 happened. And the economy crashed. And I said, well, this is going to be too difficult to keep going forward. And I basically just folded it. So uh, uh, everything's about timing in life, right? These ideas that come come back. You know, I was involved in an, in, in a, an investment way back when uh, called sixdegrees.com. Technology was great, it was a way to connect mutual people or people that you were connected to. Right. I mean, what's that today? Right? That's Facebook and LinkedIn. And by the way, sixdegrees.com six technology, they went into bankruptcy and it was sold to LinkedIn. And LinkedIn's architecture was built on technology from, from sixdegrees.com way back in the day. So as it relates to like swing juice, he wanted to kind of create this lifestyle around, you know, fun and golf, apparel and, and beverage. And, you know, like anything else, if you don't have the proper resources or team and experience, you can't move the needle. And he reached out to me, I think, uh, about three years ago and said, hey, can you help me with, you know, with my company? We talked a little bit about it and I said, yeah, let's do it. So basically, we, you know, we now now run Swing Juice. We still have John uh, run it from a marketing and design standpoint. And we have now nine different employees for us and, you know, print shops and different ideas. And potentially we're talking to different beverages, maybe the license to swing juice name to get back, you know, get back into the category, but not from an energy standpoint, from probably from, a you know, a hard alcohol, you know, whether it's a vodka and or. That,
3: that, that's where it's at today. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, you know, to us. Swing Juice is building up to be this golf lifestyle brand that we it, you can basically just wear yourself on a t-shirt, on a hat, and then we will evolve and start to get into some of the polos itself and cuz people are asking for more stuff that they can wear, college shirts on the golf course, etc. And listen, Travis Matthews was, you know, s- just small just like that and they grew up and they sold I think for 50 or 100 million to Callaway. So yeah, I mean you can take a brand, and if you execute it correctly and market it, uh, you can take it to another level, and that's what we're going to do with SwingUse.com. So
1: we have about five minutes just to um, be the bad cop here. And mm-hmm. speaking of branding, Dakota, uh, at some point, if you haven't heard it, check out a couple of episodes ago. We had Paul Earl on the show. Who, oh wow! He's um, you know, Forbes magazine, Kellogg at um, Northwestern, sure. international branding expert, and yeah. some of the things you've just mentioned, he completely believes in. So. Uh, the two of you should cross-pollinize at some point. But uh, at my final comments before I um, ask Josh to sort of wrap it up with his um, keen wisdom. So you're a serial entrepreneur. You, you're, you're a great poker player, and you've sort of fused together um, the spin app, you know, fantasy spin app. Tell us about that a bit and some of the other investments that you're having some fun and success or, or failure with. Sure.
2: And, um, yeah, the, that's sort yeah.
1: of... And it's it very interesting as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah. As it relates to fantasy spin, you know, I, 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 you know, started building this, I think we're now in year three and, you know, in the day of daily fantasy on DraftKings or FanDuel, there's, you know, I always think that you just can't compete against these sharks. They put in multiple lineups, you know, sometimes 50 or a hundred, and they're on top of this. And, you know, it's like pure gambling for these people, but there's a bigger audience for something that are novices or don't have the time to wait, worry about who's playing, who's not playing. So we basically created a game that is randomized in virtual slots meets fantasy sports where you can play a quick pick and your spin is, you know, just random of everybody in the player pool by position. So you get what you get as a quick pick, or you can spin up to 10 times and lock in certain players, but you can never just pick who you want unless they are randomly selected for you. So that's kind of the Genesis behind uh, fantasy spin. And we've been talking to a lot of the lotteries as well to make this into a lottery game. And some of the laws are changing a little bit now to make uh, daily fantasy a little bit more laxed meaning that since our game isn't 100% skill, it needs to be the laws are starting to be written, rewritten. So if it's any contest related to fantasy sports, it can be legal. So I think right now, if we went down the path of real money, we probably operate in about eight states. So as soon as that starts to get a little bit higher, we'll start to go down the infrastructure, building out a real money app. So, and then the other the other part of my business is, uh, you know, we we own and work with some of the top online dating sites in the U.S. and Canada, or Australia, uh, Match.com, Zeus. We own our own subscription dating site called EDate.com. So we're heavily into you know customer acquisition and marketing for you know pretty much mainstream dating in in the U.S. and that's been a great vertical. I mean, you get fifty to seventy five million people in the U.S that are single and using online dating, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big vertical to kind of, to kind of be in. And, and we've some that, put, we've and, built and some that aren't
3: single either. And,
2: and some, are and some that aren't either. single. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> correct, Josh. Um, yeah.
3: Steve, I have one, one last question for you. Sure. Uh, you say we, 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 with all your businesses and being a serial entrepreneur, do you have business partners or is it just you You got VC money. How does that work?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I was fortunate to have a friend that I've always worked with as a client um, back since the mid-2000s. And, you know, we decided one day just to kind of create our own little boutique, you know, shop. And we got into the service, the dating industry, and, you know, spit out a lot of cash. So we basically used that cash to, you know, build out our own products and get involved in other verticals and and different things. So we've never raised one dollar to do this. We've never, you know, had outside help. We put a technology uh, model together that helps us with customer acquisition, uh, at a low price that we can make margin on. And, uh, you know, we fuel that to get into these other businesses. So it's, it's been real good. No, no complaints. Right.
1: There. Well, what's the future, you know, more radio. You're going to try to get me. Maybe- yeah. More and more into yeah. that or, or, or keep up with some of the entrepreneurial spirit on the other ventures or. You know, we'll...
2: Yes. So i um, planning on running for governor of Massachusetts <laughs> so I can run against Charlie Baker. That's uh, something that I'm thinking about. That's probably a long shot, but I'm actually looking into it, by the way, uh, because I can't stand what's happening in my home state. Um, so, but now hold that, on,
0: that, hold on a minute there. Uh, what was that? Talk, talk show radio guy, but uh, we
2: got, a, we got, a,
0: <laughs> we got breaking news here on the Josh JP philosophy. If you're serious Dakota, or, or, yeah. or, is, or is this I, oh, serious? I half this, serious? How serious?
2: This is, I'm about 20% serious. So no, that's not serious. Oh that's not, that's not serious enough for me yet. I got to get to 50% seriousness and then I'm going to start putting an effort in. So I am though, looking into the potential of what it would take to get out there and actually do this. Because to me, Charlie Baker has completely just, for one, is not a Republican. So to run against Charlie Baker as a Republican, um, I I don't think think he'll run
1: again. I think his – I don't think he can. I I believe that his ship has way sailed in the wrong direction and – um, Elvis is going to have to leave the building. Sorry. Yeah.
2: I, I was thinking of running for mayor because Joe Sullivan, who used to run the lottery, Great guy. Um, who was a family friend. He's and actually guy. he's consulted with me on fantasy spin as well. Um, you know, he, when he decided to step down, the Braintree mayor race was up and I actually, I thought about doing, it. I had a lot of friends that wanted me to do it, but I've got so much going on with my companies. They're not yet in a place where I can just let them be run by other people. I'm getting to that point. Where over the next year or two, it'll be more self-sufficient and all these different things with the people that we're putting in place. So if I did decide to get into public office or do something outside, um, the companies could kind of run themselves with me just kind of overseeing them. Well, Dave, so has, as it relates- Dave yes,
1: yeah. this is breaking news and we're going to we're going right.
2: we're we're to lead with this when this beautiful segment drops. 20 percent, Dave.
3: So. When, is the, when is the next election?
2: Uh, it's in two years, yeah. right? Yeah, I believe it is in two years.
3: Yeah, Baker, can't ag- Baker can't run again. Baker can't
2: run again. I don't
1: think. Yes, he can. Why not? Like, he, shall- he's allowed to, but yeah, he's he, he to. certainly won't. Well, I don't think he's going. Um, that's it for me, Dakota. Anything else to add? Yeah. Uh, Josh? The only
2: other thing, um, if you, so, I've been doing uh, the old SB Nation radio. It's called Sports Map Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to SportsMapRadio.com or the Sports Map Radio app. Um, I'm on the diehard shows. I mentioned Pepe, Rossillo Anik. That's how it started way back when. So I am starting to get back into a little bit radio as you know, I have more bandwidth to kind of fulfill that. So we're on right now from eight to 10, Monday through Friday, I'm in there anywhere from two to three nights a week. So check it out. Um, Thanks to
1: everybody for listening to um, today's edition of the Josh and JP philosophy. We want to um, send our appreciation to Steve Dakota Hapis. Serial entrepreneur, sports radio, Boston legend. Thank you, sir. A
3: future governor of Massachusetts. You get hey, that. We, we Love can, it, we Josh. Can only,
2: we can only hope, right? I want to thank you guys for having me on this morning. This has been fun.
1: Vote early, vote often,
2: vote Dakota. <laughs> hey, I like it, JP. You can be my campaign manager. You got it. Right.
1: Bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks, dude. A Good
0: reminder time. to subscribe to the Josh JP Philosophy on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. Thanks for listening. on Apple Podcasts, and please share it with a friend or a colleague in your network who would be interested. The show is supported by Red Dome Realty and Legacy Financial Group. For more information on these organizations and how to get in touch with your host, check the show notes of this podcast. Thanks for listening.